Welcome to Lost River Legends. Our motto, Ex Tenebris, is Latin for Out of the Shadows. We attempt to understand the complex world around us and bring light to subjects hidden in darkness. We explore paranormal topics with guests from all around the world. Now welcome your Lost River Legends hosts, James and Brett. We hope you enjoy the show. There's a new name. It's unexplained aerial phenomenon. Unexplained aerial phenomenon. 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 Welcome to Lost River Legends. We are going to take a little bit of an aside and do what's, I don't know what we would call a housekeeping or a catch-up episode where we're just going to riff and update you on uh, where we're at with things. It's been a while since uh, we haven't had um, a guest. I don't know if that's the best way to put that. Yeah, no, I mean, we, we, we have guests, and we just kind of have a little bit of a space in between the guests, uh, the guest episode and our next um, chapter um, of Lost River Legends, where we're moving from Bigfoot into UFOs, aliens, and whatnot. Um, and so this is going to be kind of, this episode is really going to be uh, the turning point for those episodes that are going to be coming out um, from now um, on. For the next little while, we, we don't know how long that might last, but um, it's just kind of update to let you know how the show's going, uh, where we're at um, with like 2019, um, and uh, the next number of episodes we have lined up are going to be like UFO-based, um, alien abduction possibly. Um, we're just kind of figuring things out right now. Yeah, and... First of all, I just wanted to take some time and and thank you, the listeners, for subscribing and listening. Uh, we've seen a lot of modest growth on uh, different platforms. Um, surprisingly, YouTube has actually taken off really well. We've got over 100 subscribers there. I know that's not much to shake a stick at, but it's a start, and we really thank you for uh, taking the time to check us out and share, subscribe, all that. Um, we look forward to some more growth. I think that, um, our trends are sh- showing that we'll have, um, you know, if we just kind of keep being consistent and having good shows and having good participation and good, um, you know, share social sharing, et cetera, that it right. will really shape up for us in the long run. You know, and, uh, we, we've talked about this before. Um, everyone knows that, but we, we've talked about this before and, uh, you know, James and I, we're, we're working men. Uh, we, we both work full-time jobs. We're both married and we have families. Um, we, we have very busy lives and, and this is, this is a hobby 
um, but it's a it's a passionate hobby that we have, and and we do everything. Um, you know, James has um, a background with web based um, computer stuff, and that's how much of an explanation I can give to that. But he helped build the, build the site. Um, all the analytics and background stuff, SEO, um, that's, that's all him. Um, so we manage all the social sites. We have Facebook, uh, we have the blog on the website, lostriverlegends.com and we have Instagram and obviously we have all the platforms that we push content to. And so, um, it's not something that takes just a little bit of time. Uh, to do for those that are familiar with all the work that goes on into a podcast um, you know we're we're always busy and uh, we wish we could do more we wish we could spend more time doing shows and getting guests but uh, in our spare time that's basically what we're doing is we're we're very much uh, cold calling people basically that we listen to or have heard about or have followed for a long time and we have had a really good response with, with the guests so far. And we are keep getting, seems like, bigger and better names. Um, that, I don't want that to sound disparaging to other guests necessarily, but these are just more prominent figures in, in their respective areas and in their communities. And uh, we're really excited about it. Yeah, and I think, you know, um, our approach is a little bit different. I think everyone, every show is different. Um, I wouldn't even really compare us. Um, we've had a lot of, you know, uh, help along the way. A lot of people just kind of reaching out and just saying, Hey, yeah, you're the little guy. I'll help you out. And I think that that's, you know, people taking a chance on us and giving us, giving us some of their time has been, uh, it's been huge, a huge thing for yeah. us. Yeah. It's been huge. And you know, these, a lot of these people that we've had on, um, we've had some guests on, they've, they've just been so nice, uh, very generous with their time. And, uh, you know, for, for a couple Idaho boys, um, just starting out in this, we're, we're still very, very green, very young in the podcasting arena, but you know, we have, we have big goals. Uh, our sites are set on bigger, bigger numbers, um, uh, bigger audience, um, bigger guests, um, and, and a wide array of topics. Um, not just with Bigfoot, um, but with Bigfoot, uh, UFOs, aliens, um, and a host of other things that we have um, kind of in in a feather in our hat, so to speak, in our back pocket. Yeah, and you know, um, I know a lot of listeners have actually found us because of the of the Bigfoot topic, and it seems to be, I don't know, a, a rut that we keep going back into. Um, it's a comfortable area. Kind of it's a low-hanging fruit. Low-hanging fruit. It's fun. Um, but, you know, I was so, spoiler alert, I was on the phone with Stan Gordon today and just the crossover of, you know, Bigfoot, UFOs, other paranormal activity, high energy, you know, all these things kind of intersect. And it's not really, you know, in our minds we like to compartmentalize things and think this is this thing and it's this way because X, Y, Z. And that's how that's how humans like to rationalize and like mm-hmm. to, you know, put it into that, you know, drawer in our minds. But we don't know where any of this stuff fits, and we're still trying to figure it out. And he he's been doing this for sixty years, and he's still figuring it out. But yep. he's got a lot of connecting points and stuff. So, you know, that's kind of down the road. 
Yeah, and Stan Gordon was on Sasquatch Chronicles, um, one of my favorite shows uh, by far that Wes has done, and uh, and uh, the stories that Stan told um, were just mind-boggling and really kind of turned my world upside down because it's like you, you have these moments where you're like, how how can things get any weirder? How can things get any stranger? And then you hear some of the stories that Stan has has captured and has been told by eyewitnesses and you're just flabbergasted. It's just incredible. And so um, there's a lot more uh, to this and we don't want to just share, um, you know, our goal is not to just share this information. That's one of our goals, but we want to, we really want to come to an understanding of what these things are, uh, whether it be Bigfoot, UFO, alien, abductions, whatever. We, we really want to tie into, can we get closer to the truth? Um, and there's obviously, like James just said, there's a correlation between these things, and it just keeps getting stronger and stronger. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's the, the best way to really explain it is that it's unexplained, and it, it piques our curiosity. Um, it warrants looking into it um, and doing it the most most methodical and scientific way possible um, that we can you know some things again you know it comes back to what I've always said that there's just a pure entertainment value to things things that you know I probably use the mind blown emoji like 10 times a day because <laughs> there's there's just so many experiences so many different um, data points that that connect or that get exposed um, throughout, you know, different YouTube channels I'm watching or different podcasts, different things. Um, you know, there's there's uh, Tony Merkel's latest, uh, the Confessionals' latest episode 111. I mean, and the, all, all the stuff surrounding that. That was crazy. That I mean, that was I was like, yeah, that's I wouldn't want that for. And that was anything. tied back into is it the Tony Martinez episode? Yeah, so I think episode 91 and then that are kind of tied together. And that Tony Martinez episode was just so, I was re-listening to that, and it's so matter-of-fact, this happened this way, mm -hmm. da, 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 da. but like that whole experience is encapsulated into like a 20 years that then was like regressed. Right. You know? Yeah, and the 20 and back, the 20 uh, and back program thing. that they talk about. And for those of you, of you who don't know, um, uh, Tony from the Confessionals podcast and, and others have talked about the 20 and back program where, and James can probably explain a little better, but someone is basically taken by the government, um, sort of, um, but they're kind of digressed in age after, the, after they're put into this program for 20 years and then their age regressed back to the moment that they were taken. James can fill in the details <laughs> that I completely left out. Um, yeah, so it, I mean, it's I I cringe sometimes at the the government, government you know, big brother. Yeah, so I mean, because um, there's so there's so much more. It's more you know shadow government along with you know what what's allegedly a off world presence and you know help with alien technology and. You know, sometimes there's there's Nazi tech in there thrown in there kind of loosely. But I mean, 
in context, for instance, um, you have um, Max Spears. Um, he died uh, this last year and was in mysterious circumstances, but he was interviewed by, uh, gosh, Miles Johnston of um, the Basis Project over in the UK. For years and years, he had interviewed him at different intervals, and you know they had different conferences and had him there. Um, it kind of ties in with some super soldier stuff and some of the UK UFO stuff. Um, but, um, that name, Max Spears, you know, he, he's someone that basically went through some of these, these programs and could speak to it. Um, James Casbolt being another one, um, along that line with, you know, just going through the different stuff with Miles Johnston, that is a, a fascinating uh, rabbit hole to go down to mm -hmm. down. Um, there's several, some of the early bases series that he did were just, you know, sit down interviews and just very mat matter of factly they'd go through. Yeah, we were, you know, both born around the same time. And, um, you know, there's this base in Canada and it's in the mountains and da da da, you know, and they just kind of just go through all this stuff. And then, Oh yeah, you know we flew out on on different missions, and we always went on a triangle aircraft, you know. And all these, it sounds so like fantastical, but then you get you get different correlating points to this, where you have those guys, and then you have this Tony Martinez guy, and then you have this latest guy. I think his name might be Austin. So you have like kind of like four to five different data points, and these are things that like start like. These are things that stacking keep up with each stacking other. up and reoccurring. And, you know, yeah, they all flew out on different aircraft. They all say they went to Mars. They all say, you know, they're like there might be something to it. Um, and what kind of lends a little bit more credence to it is with this latest uh, confessionals episode is, is some of the, I would call it gang stalking or mm -hmm. um, just gaslighting that yep. this guy is getting, you know, getting pulled over by Threatened cops. By his Threat, his family's being threatened. He's being threatened. Um, yeah, it, it was a fascinating um, listen. And uh, Tony really knocked it out of the park with that one. And, and it's just one of the one of the hundreds of stories out there that really, as you tie all the all the data points in uh, and correlate everything together, things just don't add up. And uh, but, you know, James and I, we talk about this stuff all the time. We're we're entertained by it, um, but I think intrigued um, even more so um, by what the truth of it is and and who's who's some of the big players in these in these uh, um, uh, cover ups, whatever you want to have it. Um, anyway, it's just it's just interesting, and you know, and it was a couple of weeks ago we actually sat down with my dad, and uh, and he shared. Uh, a UFO encounter that we're going to hopefully get on. Uh, we're going to record and, and, and hopefully publish if we, if we can get him to agree with that, but completely, um, blew my mind. Um, you know, I'm 40 years old. Um, he's in his mid sixties and, uh, and he told us this, something that happened that was in his thirties and it just completely, <laughs> you, you hear these stories and, uh, when it's when it's someone close to you, like, and just the detail, you're just like, what is going on? And uh, 
anyway, it, it'll be a fun one and we hope to get that out soon. Um, let me share that with everyone and, uh, yeah. Yeah. So you've got, you know, the different close encounters types, right? So mm -hmm. close encounters of the second kind, first kind, second, third, and then fourth being yeah, abduction. Um, so, uh, when, when we were texting earlier, um, maybe it was yesterday. I can't remember. Um, but we, I shared, I shared a, a story with you and I don't know that you got to read it. Um, but I pulled it up and I, I want to hear James's reaction. I wish we could record this. I want to see, have you guys see his reaction. Um, but I'm going to read it. So back in the day, um, excuse me, there was a gentleman by the name of Bud Hopkins and he was, uh, fascinated um, in the 60s and in the 70s, he was fascinated with alien abductions. Um, as a young boy, he heard the um, the radio program where they did the, the fake uh, War, of the World. World, War of the Worlds. And, and he remembered that. And uh, anyway, he was he's, he's a UFO abduction specialist. And uh, one of the stories that he shared, uh, of all places, he shared this with PBS. Uh, it's a Nova Nova program, uh, more particularly that's uh, uh, oversaw by PBS. But he he had, he related this very extraordinary story of an alien abduction that was a mass sighting alien abduction. Um, I don't have enough information to tell you where it happened specifically, uh, like the exact location necessarily or the exact time and date. Um, but I'm just going to read it. And so there's there's an excerpt of the interview between this Nova um, employee. Her name is Linda Case. Um, and uh, actually, it's not Linda Case. I, apo I apologize about that. I don't have her name up right here. But here here's what uh, Bud said about that. And I'm just going to read that. So he said, the best case that I have ever had worked with was an extraordinarily important and it's the subject of a book that I'm working on right now. And he has several books out on alien abduction. He says in the story, it involves a woman who is abducted, uh, who I had worked with before with certain experiences revolving around abduction. She was abducted from a 12th floor apartment in Manhattan. She was floated out of the window of the 12th floor apartment. And in this case, the UFO occupants wanted this abduction to be seen for whatever complicated reasons. So therefore, I was it was not masked or hidden or whatnot. Even though it was three in the morning, the woman was witnessed floating with three aliens below the UFO, which was 12 stories up, by a number of people, and he has heard from several of them. One of the people who I've interviewed at great length described her absolute terror when she saw this sight from the Brooklyn Bridge. Her first attempt to explain it to herself, this can't happen. Um, she says, someone must be making a movie. This must be a movie because it's impossible, and yet I'm looking at it. There were other people on the bridge, too, also terrified. There are people floating in the air, as they described it. People on the ground contacted me. They still have not wanted their names used. They've uh, they've not wanted to talk to me personally for various reasons, but described exactly the same thing. I've gotten matching sets of drawings that everyone saw from their own perspectives. 
Another woman who I've dealt with at length saw the UFO right next to the building from which this woman was being floated out of. She said it was enormous. At one point, somehow, her car stopped, and the memories are very unclear from that point on. As if somehow or another, or sorry, as if somehow or another, as often happens in these cases, there was some kind of effect, electromagnetic, electromagnetic effect, or whatever. We don't know what to call it, which stopped her car. And their memories only went up to that point of seeing the UFO directly above the building before, before the people floated out. I have another witness at another location. And uh, here we have eyewitnesses of people doing impossible things, floating 12 stories up in a beam of light um, by aliens under a massive UFO ship. And this was seen in public. Uh, there's much, much more testimony connected with this, and some of this I am not liberty at present to disclose. And that was the Bud Hopkins case. Wow. Uh, I don't know that I've ever heard that. I haven't either, and when I saw that, I was just like, for the, for the, for the fact that it was public and not just like in someone's bedroom or in the backyard or, you know, out in the farm somewhere, right. um, it's it's pretty crazy. Yeah. And, you know, if you haven't been to New York City, it's probably one of the most jam-packed. Oh, yeah. You know, Manhattan yeah. is just one and of the And the Brooklyn most... Bridge. I mean, look how much traffic's on there. Yeah. It's it's nuts. Um, so, I mean, any intelligent uh, being would know, hey, we're going to be seen. Um, you know, there are cases where people report, you know, something kind of cloaked and uncloaked or it looked like the cloaking wasn't working or, mm -hmm. you know, um, there's several, several of the better UFO videos that used to circulate, um, you know, 2010, 2011 would have, um, something that looked like it would be phasing in and out. Uh, you know, there's, there's something to it. Yeah. Yeah, there is. It's, uh, you know, and there's another story in here about uh, a, a girl, uh, a young girl that Bud Hopkins had interviewed about. She was being abducted, and she saw on TV, she saw a picture of an alien, uh, you know, with the almond eyes, black almond eyes, um, thin lips, um, teardrop-shaped head, you know, and it triggered this memory, and she just started freaking out, and... Um, she said, yeah, those are the things that take me at night. And they, they take me to a doctor that looks like one of them, basically. And just frightening, terrible, um, terrible things, um, especially. I mean, you, you talk about um, some of these experiences with, with adults, and then you think that children could be going through the same thing. It's just disgusting. You know, um, one of the things I was the most scared of as a child was well first of all robbers breaking into the house we had someone break into our our vehicle and steal our stereo and for some reason that instilled uh fear you know but the the other thing that was almost as tangible as that was was aliens you know oh, yeah and uh you know my dad would watch close encounters of the third kind X-Files. Uh, well, X-Files wasn't around. It was uh, Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, jeez. And they'd have... Robert Stack. Oh, they'd have all the, you know, they'd have like a quarterly or, you know, once a year alien special that was just 
almost focus just on that and they those would blow my mind you know and then i also grew up with uh, a very sci-fi home you know v, sure. v you ever see v? yeah yep tearing off their skin eating rodents and yep you know that that was uh some freaky stuff i i think uh we probably grew up in the same i mean we 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 spent a lot of time with each other as as we're cousins uh with each other and the families um but that was kind of my growing up too is very much x-files unsolved mysteries was a big one um science fiction movies like werewolf movies like silver bullet stephen king's silver bullet and reverend werewolf and uh gary Busey, but uh monster squad monster squad like yeah some of these old school ones that were just like um very much uh part of my childhood and 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 teenage life and so but you know besides that you know our i think our minds are are, are tied into the same uh topics where always thinking about like alien life and other planets and like stuff that's going on our own on our own planet and and how that uh how that uh plays out in the big picture and and uh trying to find commonalities with all these things and and uh, I think the big thing that's been on my mind is you know are these are aliens are they are they good are they bad like how, how do we know if they're good or they bad and uh if I mean if they're even real right or are they just projections of something else who who knows yeah you get into um just this area you know listening to different these different experiences a lot of them it's like if that you know if one percent of what they're saying is true then holy cow like mm-hmm. watch out um you know there there's also the tendency to when you start consuming a lot of that you start to kind of like i don't know if it's a confirmation bias or something but um i read dr jacob's book um trying to remember the title but it's basically saying you know he so if you're unfamiliar with him he took and analyzed a lot of uh, people that went through regression hypnotic regression and basically came to this conclusion that you know there's kind of this break-off race that's happening and they're basically trying to hybridize us with this uh, species of aliens and so that was his conclusion as you know, a scientist, um, based on the data that he had. Um, and I had just finished reading this book or was in the midst of reading it. And, uh, I was taking a train down to Oakland, uh, for my job. And, uh, I can't remember if I was going oh. to work or coming home. <laughs> I remember but, this. Uh, uh, I remember seeing someone that didn't fit in. You texted me like right after this happened Yeah, and you were like yeah. freaking out. This is years ago. And, um, you know, it, I don't know if it was, I was hyper aware or, but it felt so, okay, let me kind of walk through it. So, um, I'm doing my thing, you know, when you're, when you're on a train, there's not much interaction. Everyone's on their phone. Um, I was on my phone. Um, I look up and I see, I would say a human. Okay. So a human looking person, but imagine the eyes being almost twice the size the the iris of the eye being twice the size and the socket almost looking bigger the too. orbit itself the orbit itself um 
And I remember looking at that person and saying in my mind, like, you don't belong here. Like you, you're not, you stand out to me kind of a thing. Like maybe are you one of them kind of a thing? And it was almost like they understood what I was thinking and were like, yeah, like, Oh, Oh shoot. Like he's, I've been found out kind of a thing. And they kind of, you know, got spooked, got a little bit weirded out. Now it could have been, I don't know, maybe I have a deadpan stare that's kind of intimidating. <laughs> like, oh crap, is that guy going to... That guy's looking at me like I'm an alien. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah but, um, you know, um, description I would say was probably a male in maybe late teens, early 20s, dark hair. Um, and, you know, that new film that's coming out, Alita, if you mm. kind of see the proportion of her eyes, yeah. it was like that. Just picture that but in person, you know, and everyone's just kind of busy head down. Most people probably wouldn't even notice. So was this guy's head down or was he, he was just up looking at people. He's kind of, you know, when the doors open, you kind of look up and see who who's moving around and new people come in and you know, the whole cycle. Okay. It's kind of a whole, a whole thing depending on what stop you're at. So, but that experience, so was that, that I was hyper aware because of this book I had read or was it, um, you know, some information yeah. lining up with your senses with experience. Are, yeah. Your you senses know? are at like dialed at 11 and your mind's going hundred miles an hour. And you know, your, your subconscious kind of can build this construct of, of this reality that you're thinking of. And, but I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's one explanation, right? Um, you know, that, that kind of, when you're talking about that, it reminded me when I was, Gosh, this was probably <clears throat> been at my current job for a little over five years. So this is probably like nine years ago, eight years ago. Um, I worked at a financial financial institution um, as a as a lending specialist, a loan officer for consumer uh, products, and uh, and there was no one in the lobby, um, and I was up on the teller line. Um, talking to some of the employees and uh, this guy walks in and uh, you know the training that we have at financial institutions is you know you got the height markers at the door you know you you know where your cameras are um, for surveillance and uh, so every time someone walks in it's like this this training kind of kicks in where you're kind of like paying very close attention to their you know colors their skin, male or female, um, approximate height, their build, clothes they're wearing. I mean, you just pick out all these little nuances and you, you, you remember them. You might write them down in case the guy comes in and, you know, (laughs) holds a gun to your face and demands money, whatever. But I remember this guy walked in the door and as soon as he walked into the lobby, um, I mean, I, I can't explain it other than there was this burning sensation inside of me, like a good feeling, like, um, and, and I, I haven't seen this person before in my life. And he was probably, you know, at the time I was in my early thirties and, uh, I would say he was probably pushing late forties. Um, and he was kind of a shorter male with glasses, Caucasian. Um, you know, just dressed in not like 
professional business clothing, but just, you know, kind of a casual business. And uh, anyway, I get this feeling and I'm really paying attention to that feeling because it was something I haven't felt before when I've seen someone, right? And this guy looks at me and he says, hey, Brett, how's it going? Called me by name and uh, he kind of looks around the lobby and he's just smiling. He's just very happy, just like I'm not feeling threatened. And he turns around and he walks out. Like no one, none of my employees like recognized who it was. I didn't recognize who it was. Um, so I was like, Jesus, this guy, like, is he like an angel? Is he some kind of ministering being? And uh, I don't know, kind of freaked me out. But at the same time, it was something that I felt like was, um, I don't know the right word to use, but it, it felt good. Like it, it was a good experience, if that makes sense. You know, that's interesting. Uh, I think, I think you're probably pretty attuned to your own senses and, and, uh, you know, what we kind of all know based on, you know, different experiences throughout life, kind of how to gauge character and how to gauge, a good situation or a bad situation. I think we all kind of know what that gut feeling is. Um, and you know, that's kind of how we have to investigate some of this, this information is, you know, does it, you kind of have to weigh it with those experiences in the balance and understand, you know, that, I mean, there's, there's just that whole, well, I don't know everything and there's no way I'm ever going to know everything yeah. in this life. But, um, you know, the, the level of humility, there's that, but also you're okay not knowing, you know, you're okay. I'm okay. You know, on the Bigfoot subject, I'm okay. Not knowing a hundred percent exactly what is going on. Does it interest me? Does it excite me? Yeah. You know, am I going to go sure look for f- footprints this summer? Yeah. You know, like we, we got a date, we got a date with Duke. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go up and, uh, and uh, hit the hills with him, hopefully. So, yeah, get up there and do a meet and greet, and you know, it's 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 fascinating because it's just when when you start to your brain starts to accept that things can possibly be real. Um, for instance, you know, when you hear from someone firsthand their UFO experience or their uh, paranormal experience, it makes it it's different than hearing it on a show. It's different than uh, seeing it on a YouTube video and someone kind of going right into it. It kind of brings it like another level closer to home. Um, and that possibility brings an excitement. And it's it's hard to describe. You know, and I, I, I completely agree. And I think, I think once we started this podcast and we started talking to people who had firsthand encounters or were even just specialists in this in this topic or a topic it really um my understanding of this i guess my world view of it um of these topics really changed um because i i agree that once you hear these stories from a, a person's perspective like when my dad he came over to my house a couple weeks ago and james and i sat down and my dad's like hey this is what happened here's my bigfoot encounter 
here's my UFO encounter. And, you know, they're not earth shattering, but I was blown away. And I, I think his UFO account was probably uh, uh, much bigger um, of a story than his Bigfoot story. Um, but yeah, once you hear these things um, from the horse's mouth, uh, from people directly, um, it really changes things because you you can you can be in someone in front of someone. You can read their body language, you can read um, just those telltale signs of whether or not yeah, is this person lying? Because if they are, they're doing a fan, uh, stand up fantastic job at it, and uh, I'm sure that there's people out there that do that that they they just love to lie. They're really good at it, and they love to share a story and, and have people believe them probably doesn't happen very often, but it has to happen. I mean, if just looking at the data, um, it, it's, it's happening out there. It's, uh, it's a small scale, but, um, that, that's, that's something that excites me is actually hearing stories from people directly, um, versus just listening to, um, a second or third hand account story necessarily. Not that they're, any less uh, convincing, but hearing it from a person, it, it definitely changes things. Yeah. And you get, um, you know, there's, there's any direction that you can go off in. Um, you know, there's the Phil Schneider experience. There's, um, you know, the whole deep underground base subject, you know, that, which that, is a that, whole that, thing that, in and of itself. Yeah. Dulce, um, Phil Schneider, there's, um, Gosh, what's his name? Anthony. I'll have to, I'll have to look him up. Um, there's, there's an investigator that's been out there and had kind of a men in black experience trying to investigate, uh, the Dulce Mesa area. Um, I think it's called the Archuleta Mesa in Dulce. Anyway. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's just so many different avenues and subjects to, to pursue, you know, there's the Montauk Project. There's the Secret Space Program. There's Project Blue Book. Project Blue Blue Book. I, you know, that kind of makes me mad. I don't have access to watch that new series because uh, it kind of rings a bell with me. Just as far as production value, it's a Zemeckis uh, produced, directed. You know, kind of close to the heart there with the Back to the Future stuff. Sure, race yeah. on that stuff. Yeah, those, you know, there's there's a lot of things. I, I, I'm kind of fascinated with, with the underground bases that are supposedly in Antarctica. Um, fascinated with the tunneling system under certain states that are really high concentration, especially in Kentucky. Uh, vast statewide underground uh, system of caves. Um there's just a lot of high strangeness that are specifically focused around things like that. And I was actually talking to James the other day and we were, we were talking and I was like, you know, I was wondering why there's so much airspace, um, controlled airspace, militar, militarized, militarized airspace over the poles. And, uh, and I think we were sharing back and forth a Linda Moulton Howe, uh, video that she was doing on, uh, the Antarctica, bases and different things and I was like I wonder if if it's so heavily policed up there um by military 
if they have stuff coming in and out of those poles because there's apparently um, entrances up there, cave systems up there uh, that are like ginormous and uh, kind of made sense to me at the time. Um, but yeah, the, stuff like that, it, you know, uh, it really, uh, it really kind of keeps my blood going. Uh, it just, it just excites me just to think about and, uh, anyway, yeah. Yeah. I think that particular vi video that you're bringing up, um, was pr fairly re released fairly recently with the Linda Moulton Howe. Mm -hmm. She's a Idaho native, so we're hoping to get her on eventually. <laughs> if you hear this, please come. But um, she's a very well-documented person, very composed, very... Um, she's good at um, getting her sources the right way in a very journalistic way. I think that that has really helped her present the idea and connect her data and present that um, in, a, in a very professional way. So this particular video, though, um, she had a Navy SEAL or former Navy SEAL that had allegedly gone down to um, Antarctica and had um, flown on some uh, transports and had protected a team that had accessed a uh, area under the ice, the surface of the ice that was oct octagonal and black obsidian type. And, and green. And, yeah. And so Just they, weird colored. They gained access to, to rooms that were, you know, 20, 25 feet tall, backlit. Um, Super thick walls. Yeah. Self-illuminating rooms, like with no known light source. Yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah, crazy just, stuff. Yeah, just the subject, you know, but it's like... You gotta just kind of keep taking all those data points in stride and kind of collect them into that that mental drawer that I was talking about. It's like okay, Antarctica, Ar Arctica, okay, different civilization, different tech, different stuff that we don't, you know, all these. Yeah, I think David Wilcock does a great job at taking in all this information and like spewing out a cohesive sentence or like statement that really sums up multiple subjects you know on these various subfolders of topics and and it makes sense and uh he's someone we follow quite a bit and uh i, I think he's onto something uh some people might say that he's not and he's kind of a fluke and he's uh he's just he's just playing the game but he, he's been doing it for a long time linda moulton howe has been doing it a long time they all have a lot of skin in the game and uh you know, we'll we'll keep listening to these guys. We'll keep following up and and seeing what they have to say. And you know, my my biggest thing is some, especially some of these people that have been doing this for decades. You got Linda Moulton Howe. Uh, you got Project Camelot, um, and and other people. Richard Dolan. Richard Dolan. Like you got Corey Good. Um, yeah. I kind of want to go back and look, look, what was some of the first stuff that they were talking about and, and did that come true or, or was it validated somehow and, and see who has been, I guess, most accurate, like throughout the years. And, uh, and maybe that'll shed more light on, on, on who to follow, uh, who has the most, uh, reputable, uh, information, uh, that they're disclosing to the public who knows yeah i think it's it's tough territory too because you have people that um 
you know, they make a living on it. They make a living on the information, but, um, you know, I, th I think there are people that are really good at gaining information and getting good sources and putting it together in a very cohesive way. Mm -hmm. And those are the kind of the people that kind of bubble up. Um, you have those some people and then they're skeptics. And so there's some kind of some of that infighting. I find it interesting that um, Richard Dolan recently is kind of dove a little bit into the cryptid area with uh, talking about uh, Bigfoot and getting into he had a dr meldrum interview oh that's right that's right i was getting confused and there. i'm starting to see a little bit of crossover there which is interesting because that's kind of we're doing a little bit of the opposite i mean obviously yeah, he's sure. way more prolific and way more you know kind of goes deep on those different subjects but it's interesting to see the timing of now he's coming over to the Bigfoot side, and we're we're heading over to UFO, headed towards the UFO area. Makes you wonder if he's if he's um, putting a pause on on the UFO stuff, or if he's found something out about Bigfoot that's really um, gave him pause uh, to turn things around and really focus that uh, energy on that subject. Yeah, and I think he's someone who, from what I understand, he didn't start off. Being like, I'm going to be a UFO researcher. Like he, he was a you know accredited journalist, and he went into things, kind of you know tip, dipped his toe in, and then his other toe and kind of <laughs> kind of got stuck. And you know here, here we are, 15, 20 years later, and he's still pretty authoritative and pretty uh, good at presenting uh, some evidence of of different things. So he's a, he's a good kind of access point. Um, I. I really like his work with the uh, deep underground bases uh stuff and just you know a good yeah. good good all around guy yeah yeah you know as we as we continue to grow here on lost river legends it's 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 our absolutely on our list to get as many high profile guests on as we as we can we really want to we don't want to and we just don't want to necessarily regurgitate um the same stuff that's been going on. We want to ask different questions, um, maybe offer a different perspective and really um, have a unique view and a, and a unique take on things. And, uh, you know, as we get better at this whole podcasting thing and, and interviews and, and tying everything together, um, it's, it's going to take more work. And uh, I think we're, I think we're ready for it. I mean, our, our personal lives aren't slowing down anytime soon necessarily, but um <laughs> It's an exciting time. I mean, we have information, um, access to information at our fingertips um, in, in ways um, and in speeds uh, that we have never had ever in the history of the world. And so it's it's pretty pretty awesome time to be woke, to be awake, right? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, going about things in a more open-minded way... Um, Again, kind of bring it back to my phone conversation with Stan today. He was saying there used to be a lot more like legit scientific researchers that were into this. He's like, some of them have passed. There's only really a few left. But the ridicule and the the um, just negative connotation that came along with stuff has really, you know, I, I would say it's brainwashing. You know, it's whether it's, uh, you know, it's kind of in the culture as as a ridicule it's kind of built in you're, you're talking about like people that have seen stuff 
that don't want to come forward because of public ridicule? Uh, there's that, and there's also just scientific... Or just the professional side. Yeah, the just the, the professional scientific side that looks at things objectively and that actually is more of a skeptic to um, finding what's going on. And then having them, once they start investigating and digging in, going, okay, there's sure. something here. I, I, I agree. I agree with that, and I can completely see that. And I think we saw that um, on a on a different level, maybe, between Melba Ketchum, Dr. Melba Ketchum, and, and uh, our conversation that we had with uh, Dr. Meldrum um, about the Bigfoot or the Sasquatch Genome Project and, and just the infighting in the scientific community between both sides um, of Melba and Meldrum. Uh, and it not, I, I don't want to peg Meldrum as, as the leader in, in, uh, as the antagonist in this. Um, he just had some things to say about it when we interviewed him. Um, but I think you're absolutely right. There's, there's a lot of uh, scientific like, hey, if you're going to focus on this subject, you're going to lose your funding. Um, or you're going to be ridiculed and marginalized by your, uh, by your peers and your colleagues. And that's not worth it for some people. And so they, they bow out, uh, they put their head down, and they, they keep doing what they're supposed to be doing. You know, uh, you're going to quack like a duck. Uh, you're going to quack like a duck. And I, I can't say this. I mean, if someone said, hey, uh, you, you know, you need to stop focusing on, on the stuff that you're doing on this podcast, you're going to lose your job that would put things into perspective. Like I don't want to put my family in, in danger, uh, or in financial stress, but, uh, some of these people, uh, might be facing that. Who knows? Yeah. I think that that's been a tool that's been used for years and years and years, you know, um, just that whole, um, livelihood being threatened. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily even have to be, you know, dark forces, it could just be, um, corporations that, you know, want, want a certain reputation. Hey, we don't want you associating with that. Um, so it's, but, it's but with that being said, there's a huge, um, I mean, it's been going on for a long time, but I think it's especially bad now is, is the infighting, whether it's in politics. I mean, we see it in politics, like right now, like every single day. You know, the Democrats and the Republicans and Trump and not Trump and yada, yada. And, uh, I mean, you're being socially and publicly crucified if you say something just a little bit wrong. And, or you, you say or look um, outside of the norm. Uh, and, and we see that in today's society. And so, you know, as people research these topics... Um, that, that kind of, uh, marginalization is not going to go away anytime soon. And I don't, I think it'll get worse actually, um, as, as things, as things continue to move in the direction they're moving. Yeah. I think, you know, <clears throat> there's a lot to be said for the whole keyboard warrior thing and social media and hiding behind the screen. Um, I think that we have seen a negative shift, but I think we've also seen the opposite yeah, of that where, that. you know, you can share a story that's positive and it has impact. Um, 
we have people asking for help that couldn't before. There's there's a lot of dichotomy Absolutely. to things. But when it comes to conflict, yeah, conflict is always going to be continually fomented and continually um, agitated. And, um, you know, we talk about class distinction, things like that, things that really we shouldn't be focusing on the differences. We should be focusing on the things that make us the, the same. The commonalities. The commonalities. And I always say, you know, you know, 90% of us could get along 90% of the time if we actually just, you know, put aside those differences and, and just, you know, learn to coexist without um, so, such high judgment. And I, I can't remember what interview it was, but it might have been with, uh, with Meldrum. But we had talked about something similar to that, where if we could just put aside our differences, like how quickly we could probably solve the mystery of Bigfoot or Sasquatch, whatever you want to call it, um, in a scientific way, not in a, um, not in any other way, but scientific necessarily. But even even in the non-scientific uh, community. There's so many different like sub layers and groups that focus on tracks, uh, groups that focus on sightings, witness sightings, uh, groups that focus on um, just insert <laughs> whatever here. Um, but if everyone helped focus and had a unifying effort into finding whatever the truth of it is without any like personal um, vendetta or personal focus. Um, and it was just this collective unified effort. Things would move along much quicker. And, and I think that's the same with, with almost any category, any subject that's out there. Yeah, that's, there's a lot to be said for that. Um, you know, without getting too philosophical, I think that, um, I think that there are people that have, uh, you know, most of us do have that desire to have some that some kind of semblance of unity. Um, there, there's big events and things in life that, um, you know, it's interesting. Just kind of thinking back, um, I was I was just thinking 9/11 on that subject. You know, it was a very unifying event. Uh, if, for lack of a better term, it it's it's fascinating how something so terrible can can do that. Um, but it's also, you know, I've had different experiences. Like I, I remember watching the Gulf War be launched. I remember watching the David Koresh compound be assaulted. Oh, huge. Yeah. I remember I had the day off of school when the Oklahoma city bombings happened. And then, you know, all these, and then nine 11 and nine 11, and then just kind of everything since. And it's like some, Oh, uh, the challenger uh, sure. space shuttle. We, I mean, it was a, it was a, we had a whole, we had a whole space unit. Um, cause I lived in San Jose. We, we toured the NASA Ames center for a field trip. We had astronauts or scientists come and show us the, the tiles that are on the, on the space shuttle. Like we were prepped for that big launch, that big event where a teacher's going into space. It was like the biggest thing, big, uh, assembly you know in our in our lunchroom all of us all watching intently when that happened 
and when that went down and it was just the, one of the most tragic things it's so interesting to think back about each of these tragedies and how just being witness to them and how over time it almost becomes just such a normal thing um i don't know if it's a normalcy thing or yeah i can see that um i i don't know yeah i mean i don't know that normal is the right word but it's uh but when we see, I mean, we have access to media, right? And so we're collectively, um, the citizens of this planet are collectively watching, especially with 9-11. I think that was the, the biggest by far. Um, there's so many people tuned in, listening and watching every little moment. And uh, I, I think anyone that uh was old enough when that happened they can probably once you start talking about it it's gonna it's gonna trigger like the most accurate memory stream of what they were doing what they were wearing where they were at how they were feeling who they were with what time of day it was what the weather i mean everything like i i go back when that happened and it triggers so many like memories for me um but I agree. I think, you know, there's this normalcy to things like that that happen. Um, these these huge events that, that really transcend everything else that's going on in your life at that time and uh, really heightens your senses and everything's just ramped up uh, to, to much higher levels. And uh, it's interesting how it works. I mean, it's, it's terrible. Um, I remember my dad, you know, you mentioned the Gulf War, the Bush senior, right? Um, I remember my dad, he came and woke me up and he says, Hey, we just, we're, we're in war now. They just started firing missiles and like, we're like, it's full on right now. And he wasn't excited. That's the wrong word, but he was just like, so into the moment, like this is history. Mm -hmm. Um, this is history that we're, we're, we're seeing. And I want you to be a part of it, even though it's terrible. I, I, I need to inform you about it educate you about it and, and tell you what I know about it and look, look at what's going on. You need to be a witness in this. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know what I was going to say next. Sorry. You can cut that part out. Um, yeah, when it comes, when it comes to, I, I didn't want to discount the fact that those things were traumatic. Um, I didn't want to discount the fact that, um, that mass tragedy, that mass mass psychosis, is actually could possibly be one of the one of the aims of why that happened. You know, whatever whatever you feel, or whoever you feel did what, the impact that it had on the collective conscious, on the collective conscious. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. Just the whole, um, you know, there's, there's so many aspects to it and there's so many, I, I have some personal feelings I don't totally want to get into, but I mean, I, I tend to, um, question things a little bit when it comes to like, Hey, um, you know, United we stand being a motto, you know, that was printed on stickers within, and I felt like you saw a United we stand, uh, that was like the PR delivery piece that that came out so quickly after that and it it just didn't sit right with me watching that unfold in that way like um, there was a 
commercial so, capitalization almost. almost almost that but it was like it was like it was like a tagline that had been coined that had been like this is this is how we're going to brand this event of how it impacts us now it was a uniting event and it was something that bring, brought people together but, but what, for what purpose for what purpose and you know we there's there's so many different theories different um motives different things going on um pnac documents you have operation northwoods you have you know people that think it's a particle beam people think that it's um you know a modified airplane you have people thinking that it's a nuke in the basement you have people thinking it's nanothermite you have people you have, thinking it's aliens you have people thinking it's all holographic yeah like so literally all the planes um and, and some of the other events were all holograms and and to me it's like uh you know <laughs> you, you kind of again you know it's like i I can't run in any of those directions a hundred percent, but you know that there's, there's different connections, you know, people being told not to go in, um, different three letter agencies being in that building, um, Israeli company being in that building. You have, uh, just a lot of weirdness. Yeah. Just straight up weirdness the, the on, gold. on that day. You have that white plane, that was mm -hmm. in the sky flying over. You have the black helicopters hel hovering outside. You have um, all the gold. All, that, yeah, the that gold went missing from yeah. from the uh, World Trade Center. The gold in the you know supposed basement. You have um, separate bomb blasts. You have uh, terror. You know the alleged terrorist um, passports still intact. You have uh, all of just, them. Yeah, pretty much too. Just, just so many, just so many little pieces that you have to go. Well, it's probably not how we were told. You know, same with JFK. Same with sure any which you know. Well, it's hard because you know if, and again, we're not going to get into this, but I'm going to throw this out as as just kind of a carrot. But if there was a a nefarious um, inside job with nine eleven, if um they're they're gonna know that people are gonna be chasing all these carrots, right? Does that make sense? I mean, yeah, look, look at this money that's missing. Look at the gold that's missing. Look at all the things that don't add up. I think the citizen science, uh the citizen uh investigation, um, the collective efforts of the citizen, uh the citizenship of the United States that uh, that's interested anyway, and that has two cents to say about anything. I mean, they're going to know people are going to try to be putting things together. So that that's that's where I get tangled up in. I mean, especially now that we have, I mean, 9-11 was forever ago. And look at the advancement in, in audio and video recording. I mean, the phones that we have, like, you can record different things in 4K. And, uh, I think that kind of leads into our next subject about this UFO that we wanted to talk about in Utah. We'll get to that in just a minute. But, you know, I think it's harder. It's going to be harder and harder if there is a bigger power at play with some of this stuff. It's going to be harder and harder to get away with it um, as technology in the hands of, 
of citizens increases and, uh, and our will to pursue truth increases um, and, and the collective efforts and just the collective um, drive that everyone has to find the truth. It's going to be harder and harder to overcome, in my opinion. Yeah, more and more uh, ways to capture information and to share it and to absolutely get it, get it out live time. Um, you have a lot of different gatekeepers involved with that, um, you know, with the different shadow banning and demonetizing and things like that. But, um, you know, when it comes to, I had something else I was going to say, darn it. Say something else. Say something else. <laughs> uh, sorry about this. Sorry. I think, I think, okay. So when it comes back to, when it comes to, uh, you know, the 9-11 subject, just to kind of put a cap on it, you have a lot of um, things going on there. You know, you have the, the air that wasn't right to breathe. You have the, the evidence shipped to a foreign country and melted down. <laughs> you have the nine ten revelation of trillions missing from the Pentagon. You just, these pieces, the way they line up do not feel right. Um, I think that's a good way to put it. That's probably the best way to really kind of leave that. Um, but I think, I think that the average Joe knows but it's just that kind of cognitive dissonance that like, you know, the, the people that talk about it have been called truthers and the people that present a different side of the stories are conspiracy theorists. And mm -hmm. it's like, well, the conspiracy theory is the actual story. The official story is the conspiracy theory because there's no way that that's how that went down based on just very surface cursory level information that you're sure. leaving out or that you're painting a certain way. So, yeah. Okay. Nine 11. Boom. Boom. <laughs> mic drop. James, <laughs> James is dropping his mic right now. No, but we, we wanted to talk, you know, we talked earlier about uh, some of the things that we wanted to discuss um, in this, uh, in this episode. And one of the things that's really hot right now is both James and I, we focus on, um, I, I say we're very particular in who we follow on YouTube, some of the channels that we um, access, some of the, the names that are out there that we really, and, and James is much better about this than I am, but he's very good at really narrowing down on some of the top people. Uh, that are most legitimate in these uh, their areas of expertise. But one of the things, that, one of the channels that we are very vigilant in following is uh, Secure Team Ten, and uh, Tyler over at Secure Team. Hey guys, this is Tyler with Secure Team. Like that's like his mode, his, his uh, standard uh, intro, and he's just an awesome channel. Um, but one of the things that he had on recently was this. It was this drone footage, and I want to say the original was 4K. Um, you know, these, these little drones that go up with these high-resolution cameras, um, very stabilized footage and gimbals and all this technology. Uh, these guys in Utah, 
were shooting footage. Um, I just want to say it was stock footage that they were planning on using for B-roll for something. I don't know if they're going to sell it or if it had some other uh, purpose. But anyway, these guys got their camera or their drone up in the air. They're flying. They're flying over this ridge top. And it's really hard to see in just the, the regular playback. Um, and I think the only reason you can see it, if you saw it in 1080p or even 720 resolution um, as it was natively being recorded, you probably would have missed it because it's a it's a it's a small um, streak that happens across the um, uh, the footage, but it's actually probably the the most compelling UFO footage I've ever seen. Period. Like for me personally, um, but anyway, there's a lot of uh, you know Tyler and his people at Secure Team. They have a, they do a really good job at stabilizing the footage, um, adjusting contrast and, and different uh, elements in the video to make to make things stand out. Um, but it's it's a really good video. Basically, drones going over. It's taken uh, image of this uh, canyon and this little berm, and then you just you see this UFO that's probably they, they estimate two miles away. And it's, it streaks across in front of the, the camera. Um, and they didn't even notice it until after the fact. Um, but w what did you think about that when you first saw it? You know, um, one, of the, one, one of the most interesting things for me on that was the trajectory of it. Because it wasn't just a straight line. It kind of follows the contour of this ridge and then comes down. It's like a Nike swoosh. Almost. Yeah, it does this, you know, like it's banking and then levels and then just boom. Um, and, you know, it's super fast. Like, uh, you know, and it'd be easy to chalk it up as like, oh, it's a bug, it's a bird. Um, but there's been some debunking on that. Mm -hmm. And then they've clocked, they think that they've clocked it based on the frame rate and measuring distances. Yeah, so we shared on the blog um, a video. I don't know if we shared the original video with Secure Team on the blog. I'll have to pull it up. I'm pulling it up as we're talking right now, which is terrible. But um, it's the uh, how things work. But on the on the blog, we have the original um, uh, posting. We posted this on January 30th, so it's it's been a little over a week ago. But there's a guy, um, I'm, I'm going to pull it up so we can kind of, I want to see who it is. It's Brian Hanley, um, is the owner of the video. It's, it's his channel. And he actually published this um, on the 30th of January. But he uses like Google Earth. He has like a, a really high version of Google Earth. And he's getting like the coordinates of the, of the, uh, excuse me, getting the coordinates of the GPS coordinates of the drone. And he finds a location on Google earth. And then you have a lot of measuring tools that you have on Google earth where you just drop a pin and you can measure. So anyway, he, he met, he guesstimates that's, it's actually quite accurate, um, based on his, his breakdown of the video. It's about two to 2.25 miles away from the drone. And based on 
timing and how quick it comes into frame, they're estimating it's between 7,000, um, actually 7,200 to 9,000 miles an hour. Um, so you're talking Mach 7, Mach 8? Plus, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's cruising. Um, and I was telling James, I was like, geez, if stuff's, if stuff's out there flying that fast, no wonder we're not seeing... I mean, there's a lot of stuff that people see, but if there's more out there, but they're going so quick that we can't even see them, like, no wonder. But this just happens to be, I mean, this person was in the right place at the right time. And I haven't seen any video. I mean, to be fair, you know, you want to put your, you don't want to pull your, all your eggs in one basket with this, but it's been debunked as not being a bug, right? Flying across the frame um, or an aircraft. Um, but it's, it's crazy. It's actually a really good video. And, uh, once you, once you zoom in on the frame and you got that resolution there, that really saves, that really saves it for me. Yeah. And just as a better technology gets more affordable and into the hands of, of, uh, people that want to democratize it and use it for whatever, mm -hmm. you know, we're going to see more of this on the cutting room floor kind of a thing. Um, it's just, you know, I've, I've been fixated on this new camera, the Rilo camera. I just want one so bad, <laughs> but, uh, it shoots in 4k in 360 degrees and is stabilized. So picture, you know, survivor man going into a Bigfoot, um, scenario and going into the woods and, and doing his thing. But, you know, he can't watch his six all the time. Well, this camera can. And it's like only, having a GoPro, like, all around you. All around at you. At the same time. But it's stabilized. And the fact that you can, after the fact that it's recorded, scrub back through and, and focus and zoom on areas. Yeah, you're like, hey, I, I'm going down the hill on my mountain bike. And that's cool to see, but what does it look like from behind? And you can just rotate your image, and and it's all there. All the data is there. Yeah. No, I'm just I'm just so I'm so excited about that prospect. Like, if 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 I was going squatching, I'd have one of those up on a mast. You know, some kind of I don't know if there's a gimbal system for it or whatever, but it's already super stable the way that it, that um, this tech is. You know, GoPros are getting more stabilized just out of the box without a gimbal. You got the DGA, Osmo. Yeah. Stuff yeah. stuff like that. It's pretty awesome. The little DGA Osmo, it's a little 4K uh, gimbal. It's just a handheld camera, really. It's just tiny. But fully, fully stabilized, 4K, shoots in 60 frames a second, and just looks, it's just crazy. And it's like the size of a marker. Uh, like a Sharpie marker or a little, the you know, the fatter square tip markers. It's just, it's crazy. And, uh, you know, if only if, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We always, we always talk about what we would do, you know, if we had all this, all this money and all this time and <laughs> money to burn, you know, but the Squatch Mobile, you know, <laughs> jacked up uh, Jeep Grand Cherokee. Yeah, it'd be something. In all her glory. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's 
you know, we, we all like to fantasize about that kind of thing. But um, honestly, like we're, we're having a ton of fun, just sh- shoestring budget doing a show and, yep, you know, it's super rewarding to talk to, to some heroes and some people that have really had an impact, you know, it is. And it's pretty cool. You know, and some of these guys that we've had on, I mean, these, a lot of these guys are older. Um, you know, we're, we're in our late thirties, early forties. And, uh, some of these guys we've, we've heard about and known about for a long time. And it's pretty awesome to be able to access them and, and interview them and, and correspond with them, um, you know, before their time's up. Um, and I guess any, anyone, anyone's time could be up whenever. Um, but, uh, it's pretty awesome that we can kind of archive these stories and have these experiences and, and share them with you guys. We're, we're totally stoked for that. Yeah. And without droning on too much, um, we can't, we can't do the show without people listening and sharing. And, um, we really appreciate all the, all the participants participation we've had so far we've had some positive comments um some positive reviews on apple itunes that's been really helpful yeah absolutely and we we've um we've got those reviews without even asking people to do it like we got some five-star reviews i think there's seven out there total and a a couple typed reviews and uh you know it helps um it, it makes us feel pretty pretty good about what we're doing and uh you know, we're always criticizing, self-criticizing, um, I think ourselves, you know, pretty hard, you know, we're harder on ourselves than I think, um, others would be on ourselves, but we're always trying to improve the show and, and do better with what we have. Um, but we're, we're glad that people are listening or we're glad that we have a following and, and the engagement, uh, is awesome. And we, we just can't say thanks enough to everybody. Yeah. And if you're, if you're feeling generous, if you want to help us out, um, we're we're open to the idea. We have a Patreon page. Uh, we're hoping to get some different levels on there eventually, but right now, just very minimal budget. Um, so we'd we'd appreciate that. It's uh, Patreon.com/slash Lost River Legends. Absolutely. And you know, as I was finishing cutting up one of the episodes, I took a picture. Um, I have a wide angle lens on my, it's kind of cool, a wide angle lens on my, my cell phone. And I took a picture of the workstation in, in, in my wife's sewing room where our little uh, setup is and pretty awesome actually that we, we have the space, um, to do things with, but check it out on Facebook. Um, just find us at uh, Lost River Legends on Facebook. Just do a search. You'll see our logo. Uh, you're, you'll see our page, and and you can see our little studio. Um, you know, we we're big fans of Richard Serrett, and he says, you know, before I dim my lights between, you know, under of my studio beneath the stairs, and I keep thinking, yeah, that's us right now. Like we're in the basement under the stairs, basically, and um, it, it's pretty fun. But as James said, you know, any any help would be awesome. Uh, we're very much appreciative of, of the listens and the follows and the likes and the shares and the subscription, uh, to whatever platform you're listening to. But, uh, if you find it, uh, if you, if you find it, uh, in your heart to help, um, hundred percent of anything that goes into Patreon would be going right back into the show. Yeah. And one of the things that we haven't had much of is, is a ton of, uh, 
user engagement as far as like people reaching out and saying, hey, do this on your show or have this person on. So if you have suggestions, you know, um, we're on Twitter now. You can drop us a line on Twitter. Um, so Instagram. There's yeah, Instagram. There's Facebook. There's different platforms. And, of course, um, directly on YouTube comments or on uh, the Podbean comments. So those are all ways that you can get a hold of us in addition to our whole contact us set section on our site. I mean, there's a plethora of ways that you can do that, but you know, we've, we keep chasing these different names, you know, Linda Moulton, Howell, uh, Richard Dolan, uh, Mike, my, my uh, Dr. Sala, Dr. Sala. Um, um, we have, uh, let's see here, George Knapp, uh, Travis Walton, um, we, we've reached out to some awesome names and we've, we've gotten some response. We've had some communication back and forth. Um, but you know, we're, we're little guys. We're not paying anyone to come on. We're not being paid for this. And, uh, so, uh, if, if someone does agree to come on, that's pretty high profile, they're doing it as a favor and, you know, they're, they're sharing an hour of their time, uh, giving us a couple of these Idaho boys, uh, uh, a few, few of their minutes. And so, but yeah, we're we're working up to these points. We want to get bigger and better names on. Um, gives us more exposure, gives us more access to um, their research, uh, their knowledge base, and uh, and gives us a chance to sit down and talk with them. And that's that's priceless. And we get to share that with you guys. Yeah, and in the future, you know, we'd be able to announce like, hey, this is the person that's coming. What's the question you have? You know, I think that that's something that's totally within the realm of possibility because, uh, you know, that's that's something I, I always wish I could do is be like, oh, you're having this person on. Ask them this this way, you know, word it this way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's why we have a show now is so that we can ask the questions that we want the way we want to. But if you have something you want to be uh, exposed or asked definitely communicate um, we're, we're looking at new ways of communicating we're kind of playing around with uh, different platforms and you know discord chat and things like that to see if there's some way that we can get more engagement uh, with with people that are interested in these these topics in our show absolutely anyways that's going to be the end of our show um, ladies and gentlemen we're, we're so glad that you listened uh, to a couple of these old guys here, uh, just chewing the chewing the cud and, and talking through some of these subjects. Um, anyway, we will uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Thanks again, um, and we'll we'll see you on the flip side. Take care.